Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Drunken PM Radio. Today I have Anderson Hummel. Anderson, thank you for taking time out. It's your holiday right now. You're home for, for Christmas and New Year's and all that, right? Yeah, for sure. I'm in my brother's house right now. And like we just see each other like sometimes in the year. And of course, this is important. And the reason that I'm here to talk with Dave. And how are you spending your time with your brother? Yeah, we are just playing video games and also like Sing City and other funny <laughs> games. Normally, we play when you're young and cool. you're playing. Yeah, yeah it's good. good That's awesome. Good. That's great. And so, and you've been working a lot in Portugal recently. I want to kind of set this up a little bit. So you got through the CST process how long ago? I, I got that on like two months ago or something like that. And after I got it, I come back to Brazil. I just fix some things and then I start to work uh, in Portugal. Like I just crossed the ocean and start to do some classes in Portugal. Okay. So, and are you doing mostly coaching or teaching since you've gone through the, got, gotten your CST and become a certified scrum trainer? I'm just providing class uh, because it's technically it's really hard to only provide class. Some people say, oh, but it's only like two day class or something. No, not only that. You need to prepare yourself, you need to prepare the material, and then you need to travel. And like also to provide like the three classes. I like was during like 15 days in Portugal. And most of the time I'm just preparing myself to the to the class and just that. So you're somebody who's got um, a lot of experience teaching. Before we I want to come back to the subject of how many classes you can kind of do in a row without getting burned out. But can you talk a little bit about your background, especially with respect to being an educator and kind of when in that journey you entered into the process to become a certified scrum trainer? Yeah, sure. Like uh, I was a trainer, I was a teacher when I was 17 and then I started to teach at university when I was 21. And I teach at university for like, I don't know, like 10 years or something. And I started my, my journey as a CST, trying to become a CST, like when I was 29, I think. And at that time, I, I, I already have like eight years like providing classes in at university. But um, providing like classes, CSM classes, like help another person to provide CSM classes is really hard because not their particular kind of students, but they are they push you, they make a lot of questions and you have a lot of good control about yourself and the class and it should be always a really good delivery. Like when I was at the university, not every day I was in a pretty good shape, but at CSM classes, like this kind of spring classes, uh, they are hard. So how, how would you describe that difference? Because I, I see that when we get people coming in who come from a university you know, teaching background to teaching a scrum class, there's a big difference there. How, how how would you explain that difference to somebody who'd been teaching in a university if they wanted to become a CST? I think one of the biggest biggest difference, like students, they you sometimes they make one question or say, at the CSM class they ask something. Oh, but how does work in the real world? And what? This is the real world, man. This is the kind of questions that you is really hard to listen at the university. And at CSM classes, people normally are looking for more as real examples, not only um, historical examples. And they have a background. Normally, they used to be a project manager, 
for a long time or any other thing for more than 10 years. They are, they are already in the market. And this is another biggest difference when you're comparing to students, like university students, to CSM students. Like the difference for me is huge. And like the, the class needs to be different too. You need to set up the class differently. Okay. So yeah, they involve, you can't just stand up there and lecture, um, which yeah. is one thing I think that a lot of folks coming out of the university background often struggle with when they get into a CSM or a CSPO class. C can you explain, I mean, you mentioned that you'd been teaching for about eight, seven or eight years before you started to enter into this process. How long did it take you from when you first started working on it to when you became a CST? How many years? I think it, three years, I think. Yeah, three years. Technically three years. Uh, between the first, exactly three years, between the first uh, CSM class that I co-trained okay. and to the time that I, that I just got certified. And I don't know exactly the number, but probably I co-trained more than 50 times, like five and zero times okay. with different people. But this is about my journey. And every, I learned a lot during the journey. So what was, can you, can you explain how that journey went? Because I know you took some time off in the middle. I mean, I don't know anyone who's had a rougher time than you going through. And I was really excited when you finally got there. But can you kind of walk through what that journey was like? Sure. I would talk first of all about like how I improved my skills as a trainer and then about the, um, about all this stuff. Okay. Uh, when I start, I think, okay, I'm a really good te teacher. I'm a really good professor. I feel exactly that. And then I was co-trained at the first time with Alexandre and I just, come on, I'm horrible. I cannot take attention of the class during like more than one hour or something like that. And Alexandre did this all the time. And then I just started to take attention about how he do that, about exercises, about the pace. Pace sometimes hard, like you need to take control of the class. And after that, I started to get more confident with Alexandre. And then I just saw Peter Handermark uh, providing the class. Uh, Dave, I know that, I don't know if this hurt you, but uh, this, he's the best trainer that I, that I saw providing a class ever. I never saw someone that providing a best class than him. And also, like, I just come on because he's a really good visual facilitator. He's a trainer from the back of the room. I, re I, I, I want that really provide the class in this shape. Okay. And I just saw something that's completely different. And he's so engaging. Uh, yeah, for me, it was not the perfect time. Like, and the perfect guy is the guy that I want to be in the future or something like that. He's a really good trainer. And then after that, okay, I start to learn about, okay, I understand the techniques that Peter used. And I start to put this in my tool bag and I start to use that in classes. And to get, not mastery, but to get used to without any problems, it took me some time, something as six, not one year or something to also draw something and also use like TDR. I also got um, a TDR class with Sharon Buman in Orlando in 2016. And then after that, I also saw different trainers with different styles. Like I saw Maduro Katura, like he's a showman. And also I was in Dave class at Dave Jokes Are Awesome. And also how he, they've also helped me to fix. He don't know that. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> I have problems to, 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 to get like students that they listen more and they want to write things. 
And then I just saw his um, workbook and this is something that works. And I just used something that's similar, but it's not the same thing. Okay. And yeah, it's like, it's how to fix mouse problems. And also I was in like crazy classes, like a really good pace, awesome pace. Uh, he's really energetic. And I just, oh, come on. And with Chris Lee, it was funny because he's the first guy that, okay, normally I am the guy that have more energy, but with Chris, this is impossible. And I need to, this normally is my strongness, but at that class was my, my weakness. Okay. And it was good to me. This And also with Lonnie, Lonnie, Lonnie. I have, uh, <laughs> Lonnie, Lonnie Weaver. Uh, uh, Lonnie Weaver. <laughs> Uh, I also learned how to really facilitate, like she's a really good facilitator. Like you just, during this journey, I just like improve a, a lot of different things in my classes. Just thinking about class styles or this kind of thing. I really change a lot in how I provide the class. Like if, if I saw my class, if uh, the Anderson from three years ago saw how I provide a class nowadays, just say, oh, this is unbelievable how it changed. So can you, I want to pause there for a second, because I, the first time you came in front of the TAC, I was in the panel, and I, one of the things I have remarked people is, in terms of the panels, you are the most natural teacher that I've ever seen, and that first panel, the way that you presented this stuff, I thought was really, really brilliant, and, and super engaging, um, there were some technical things that went wrong, and that's why it didn't work out that first time, but I want to use that as kind of a, a way to talk about what you just went through, so if, if somebody's listening to this who wants to be a CST, Anderson was just talking about different teachers that he went and, and taught with um, and training from the back of the room or um, TBRs by Sharon Bowman. That's a basically an approach to teaching that's very popular in the CST community. But the thing that I think is important to note here is that he went and taught with different people to learn things from different styles. So there's more than just the technical explanation of Scrum and more than just being able to stand in front of people and teach. It's a bit of a performance. I mean, do, you, do you agree with that? Yeah, sure. Like, depends on the class, you need to change everything. Depends on the students that you have. Come on, you need to change, like, the structures. And if you, if you didn't saw different trainers providing the same topic, you don't got that. Like, in, in, the, in the stack at this time, they make one question about during the interview process. They make one question about, oh, can you just show different ways to provide this subject? I remember that I show like four at the exact time because I don't know exactly how much time I have yeah. and energy that I also have and you shouldn't have. Sometimes you need to explain like product backlog and you have time for one hour or two hours, sometimes five minutes. Yeah. And, and also about Scrum, like I, I, know, I know nowadays I know how to explain Scrumming. 30 seconds or something less than that, because I already need to do this for my family or for anyone that doesn't know anything about technology stuff. And this is something that always struggles me. But nowadays I know, because I saw different trainers providing different explanations, also, also different people providing different explanations. Okay. This is good. So yeah. can, you, can you talk about, one of the things that happened when Anderson and I talked together is he absolutely shamed me beyond recognition when it came to uh, visuals, and your his artwork is amazing. I'll I'll make sure to include with the podcast one of the things that he drew in class. That my favorite thing that he drew. But can you talk about how you went through that process of learning how to draw? Because you're not somebody who had that as a natural ability, right? Yeah, exactly. Something some true facts about myself. 
The first one, I'm colorblind a little bit, not a strong colorblind, but I have the colorblindness. I don't see all the colors. And when I was uh, young, I also didn't pass like in art exams. And when I saw like Peter Hundermark's style, and also like Alexander's style that he already used Bookshare, and I just got something like that, I need to fix that thing. What I did is something that not simple, but took time. I start to, to study one technique called Bicablo, and I just uh, got some books and I learned how to draw things and how to draw some symbols. And after that, I start to listen like um, some that TED, T-E-D, or yep. any kind of presentation that I can, I, then I need to just summarize using only pictures. And I just got like the technique and then like, because you need to do fast. Doesn't matter if, if it's built for or not for yourself, but you need to do it fast. And during this time, I just got, okay, I need to like the Scrum, I have one Jeff, Jeff Sutherland's speech about Scrum that I draw like three or four times. And for me, like, this is how it works. You need to practice, practice and practice. Like I have another friend, João Reis, a Brazilian one. He just, sometimes just met him and he just explained to me like different ways to do like, okay, this is a clock, different ways to do, to do a clock and different ways to draw a person. Okay. And also like just ask people, but you need to practice and practice and practice and practice. But it doesn't take too long. Like between the time that I start and also I can, uh, that I start to provide that I use this in the class, it took for me like one month. Like, of course, every single day I do something at home, but after that, I just, I stopped to train that skills, but I started to use this at class and okay. also like in speaks in conference. So you put con concentrated effort behind that for a month to get that ability to a point where you had enough comfort to be able to use it in class. Exactly. Okay. Now, when you said you, your journey exactly took three that. years, is that, were, were you at a point where you already felt really comfortable with Scrum? Like, is that you were just learning about Scrum or you already had that pretty much down? Where were you in, in terms of your understanding of, of Agile and Scrum when you began teaching it? Like uh, before I started teaching, I think that I have at that time five years using Scrum or Agile. I don't know exactly, but I already have the knowledge. I already applied a lot Scrum like in projects. But when I, after, when I really start to, to think, okay, I want to be a trainer, I start to study like deep, something like the theory behind Something that normally when you're just using it, you just, okay, I don't need to understand this. I just need to use that. Yeah. And like at that time, I was in exactly that shape. Like I already use it a lot, but I didn't really like understand how the things work or how something's in this way or not in another way. And this was something that I need to study a lot at home. Like I have no idea how many books I read, I read <laughs> like during the last like, three years about Scrum, Agile, and things related to it. Like, I have no idea. And books that I read or listen, because I also use Audible. So I don't know. How, um, how important is the working experience? I mean, is that is that a big deal in terms of your teaching and your explanation to students of how this stuff works? Uh, yeah, for sure. Because sometimes they ask you, okay, how, how much? What the reason for someone wants to work only 40 hours a week? 
And if you just, okay, they need to work four hours a week because blah, 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 or you need, okay, can you just remember uh, who decide this for 40 hours? And then you just, okay, Harry Ford, do one kind of exercise. And then you need, oh, but why Harry Ford do this kind of experiment? Because he did experiment to decide the, the amount of time. And then you, okay, and nowadays it's still working, this is still makes sense. And then you need to, to look for other research that say, yeah, the amount of time that works for developers, like, as an example. Okay. And you just need to go through and like understand more and more. Depends on the questions that the students make for you, because it, it's it's horrible when one students make one question and you don't know the answer. And like for me, it's, it's a kind of shame. But every time that this happened or happened in the past, and for sure it keep happening like sometimes. I just okay. I need to fix that. I need to understand like this this subject or something like that. Yeah. So you just you just dig into it until you get to a point where you have an answer for it. Um, yeah. But the uh, did, the stories, the examples, the things that have happened to you—that's a really big part. Of, I, I would say a really big part of helping them understand how it can be possible for them. Yeah. Sure. Like as an example, like uh, a lot of companies they say that okay, we use Scrum here. Okay, and but Scrum is not working for us. And really, and why? Okay, we are doing this, we are doing this, and we are just doing the same thing like time to time. And sometimes I just ask, did you? Are you doing like the Spring retrospective? And sometimes they say no. And when they say no, I just say, can you just start to do this? But sometimes they say, okay, we are doing that. But uh, our Scrum master sometimes like he don't do anything. It does like got some post sheets. And then I started to provide some explanations about the time that when I was preparing myself to provide a sprint retrospective, uh, I need to study like um, the, a specific flow. And I normally I provide some examples for them. Okay, normally I use like this, the bow technique, or, and after that I use some kind of dot voting to them, only have like one backlog of action items for the retrospective. Sometimes okay. it's work, but sometimes you need to change everything because I remember once that I just was talking, I'm doing a retrospective and a friend of mine, we are doing like some kind of kudos to one another. And then a guy just say, okay, thank you because you treat me as a normal person. Yeah, I feel that I'm normal with you and I'm a normal person here. And wow, and after that you need to change everything. But this is an example that and how retrospectives are important to show things that people normally don't know, that he's just really happy because everybody treats him as a normal person. Okay. And also, we just change things about the process every time. If it's not changing, please just choose one one topic to that. that we okay. Want to. So being able to show the students in class through action as well as through the stories that you're telling is a big deal. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So... If I was somebody that came up to you at a gathering or a natural conference or some kind of event and said, I want to be a CST, um, I've been coaching for a couple years you know, or a year, what advice would you give me and what would you tell me about what that journey is like? Um, I think one of the important things is you need to put a lot of time, not only feel time, you need to put like thousands of hours in these. You need okay. to train a lot. And be prepared to failure. I, say, that, I say, that, say that part again? 
sorry, be prepared to fail. Or oh, be prepared failure. to fail. Okay. okay be prepared to fail. Uh, I, I failed three times. Uh, two times, sorry. Two times, uh, the, yeah. The third one, yeah, the third one I passed. And like every time that I fail, I think, okay, what's the reason that I'm doing this? And believe me, like every single time that I fail, I learn something that I need to fix in myself or in my skills about about like the person. But believe you need to prepare about failure. And also, this is a kind of spoiler, okay? Uh, on the Star Wars movie, the one that was in cinema exactly right now in December of 2017. The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. Yoda say something like that. The best teacher or the best trainer is the failure. Something exactly, not exactly in this way because Yoda used like different ways to, to say everything. But this is something that for me, when I saw that on the movie, oh, I got it exactly at that time. Because every time that I that I remember about the time that I fail, okay, I fail because that thing. I didn't do that thing correctly. On the second time, I didn't do another thing correctly. Different things. Yeah. And at the third time, okay, I learned these two things. I failed two times. And then I just got that. And between like the first time that I failed to the time that I passed, it took like one year and six months. Well, and you took a break too, right? Yeah, you need a break because you need to understand how you fail, <laughs> the real reason that you fail. Because sometimes you think, oh, I fail because of that thing, but in fact, you don't fail about that thing specifically. Like at the first time, I, I'm not, I'm with problems with the language, I'm not too, so confident about the language. Okay. was the best session that I provided in all of my life about training. Uh, session 20 minutes uh, training sessions but at the same time i have some lacks of knowledge about scrum because i didn't go train with other people and normally i ask them nowadays during the time that i was in journey i start to ask them the things that they say wrong to help me to fix that yeah the second time i was so okay i need to study a lot i don't want to make one any mistake about the topic and i just go deep in books and I forget to provide classes. And then I feel because it was the horrible session in my life. Like, it was horrible. I'm, I I lost the the clock and this kind of thing. So can I, I, can I comment on this? Because you mentioned that when you saw, um, I, was it Peter Hundemark was somebody that you wanted to become that when you were first coming up, right? Yeah, yeah. So when, I, you, I, when you did your first panel and I was watching you, I mean, there were things that were technically wrong and that's why it didn't work out. But... In terms of teaching and presence, I, that's how I felt then. I was like, damn, I want to be that good someday. It was it was amazing. And the second time you focused totally on the technical side is my understanding, right? And kind of missed the exactly. dy dynamic aspect. Exactly. I like I remember that I didn't provide classes during like the three months before the, the, the technical, the, the talk. And something that if you want to go to that thing, please just provide one class, like as much classes as you can, like, in the one month or two months before your panel, because this make you like strong, like your brain muscles, if you can say something like that, will get strong and strong and strong. Yeah. You get more. And uh, yeah, uh, like before, like this tag, I spent what one month like traveling, like in US, just yeah, like so co-training. For the folks who don't know, Anderson lives in Brazil and what he did before the panel was, and not everyone has to do this, but just to demonstrate a level of dedication to it he spent a month away from home traveling from city to city to city and and did nothing but teach for an entire month just to train for his panel 
Yeah, and another thing that's important, if you want to become a CST, be prepared to travel. Like, I travel too much. I know that. But be prepared for that. I, I, I'm, I want to be a CST, but I don't want to leave my country to do... Come on. Yeah. You don't want. Because if you want to, you, you travel. Like, I don't... I Like, really few CSTs got only traveling, like, inside of your country. But really few of them. Be prepared to get out of work. Because to do this kind of things, probably you want to stop to work for a while. And just to travel and provide classes with other people. You need to prepare about that too. Well, I think it's also part of why if you're going to be a CST, it really is something. I, I feel like it's really something that most people are called to. It's not just like a job. Because you're gone so much and it's so exhausting and it's it takes so much work and effort. I mean, you really have to be super passionate about doing this. I mean, do you agree with that? Yeah, if you don't get passion about providing class, if you don't, if you are not passionate about providing class, you give up. Yeah. Because it's really hard. Oh, come on, I don't like this anymore. If you don't like, please just don't start. Don't start. Save your time. Do another thing. If you don't like to provide class. So let's talk about the, the one last question, and then and then I'll let you go. Enjoy the rest of your vacationing and video gaming with your brother. Um, you talked in the very beginning of the interview about doing too many classes in a row. Can you talk about, and you're, you're a pretty social person, but can you talk about what, what that's like when you, when you're done at the end of the day, or when you try to do two or three classes in a row, what happens to you? Ah, uh, yeah, I'm a pretty social person, but the only, I, I want like some things that are simple. I want to stay in bed for a while. Or took a shower, like 30 minutes. I'm Brazilian, okay? This is cultural normally in Brazil. I normally want to take a shower for 30 minutes. and Or something, or something as that. Like, just stay, like, and shower. And after that, I just go to bed and sleep. Sometimes I just, I just start to watch, like, Netflix or any other thing. But I don't want to work. Okay. Because I don't have energy. I'm completely off of energy completely out like and I really like my job but in time the day that I'm providing class I just work for that like for the, the time because normally you need to start like pre preparing things at 8 a.m. and probably you just finish like everything that you want to do like at six o'clock and the hardest part about the job is when you start the class your brain will be 100% focused on that class and this is really really drain off my energy every time doing a lot yeah. of my energy. Yeah. So but trying like to do stuff, trying to do other work at night or trying to do other things is going to make you not able to get recovered for the next day or for the next class. Exactly. And Dave, I know that you do this sometimes, but I don't know how to how you do that. Because I'm really really I just I just want to watch like Netflix or something like yeah. that. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. But like Okay, I can also like answer like one or two emails, no more than that. Yeah, no more. <laughs> so what happens if you try? This is for new CSTs because this is something that I see happen a lot. People that get their certification, um, maybe maybe a word of caution to them. They're like, oh, I've you know been working, I've been trying to go, going into the red for so long. I have to make a lot of money. I'm going to do six or seven classes a month. Um, What's your experience with that? Just trying to jam as many classes in as you can. What happens? If I, like, 
the max, like I have a really hard time like in September, like in US. I during a, like 30 day, 34 days, I I co-train like in eight classes. Like was I was crazy. And at the same time, I was I was not alone. For sure, I cannot do this alone because like the class will be horrible after a while. Yeah. Be really, I, I think I can now supervise like two classes in a week and then like more two classes in another week. But I need to take like one full week without Off. doing anything, yeah. just playing video games and, and not, like just like taking the time. And I just got that like not, right, really, 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 really recently. Like after I got like uh, the CSD and I started to provide classes, I started to stay more time at home because I've got, okay, just like kind of homesick. Yeah. And like I get sometimes much more tired than normally. Yeah. It t- it definitely takes a toll. I, I appreciate you saying that because I feel like that's one trap that a lot of folks fall into is they kind of forget about sustainable pace because they're trying to make stuff back up. But there is a, a toll that this takes. I mean, when you're doing this kind of job, it's not, you can't just do it like constantly without stopping and yeah, a thirty-minute shower. <laughs> I can't imagine that, but you take it. You know, doing whatever it takes for you to recover, um, like hanging out with your brother and playing video games. Oh, good. This is good. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, so, any parting words of advice for candidates, and anything that you would say to them to encourage them or help them get better prepared for stuff? Uh, be yourself. Be prepared to travel. Save money before start that. Uh, understand that you're not the best trainer in the world. And like be polite with CSTs that they already got that. And remember that have a really, really great chance that you fail at least one time prepared for that. Most of people fail at least one time. Really few people like pass through. Oh, and like for this, the time that I passed, I prepared a notebook with all the answers that I want to say to the TAC members during my 20 minutes interview. Okay. Like everything from spring training was that was there. I just need to read fast. Okay, this is what I need to cover. Okay, like one page or no more than one page for each topic. Yeah. And I prepare I pre- I prepared I think 32 topics. Okay. And like more than they say because sometimes they choose a topic that is not on the list. Yeah. Believe me, they really do that for some people because it doesn't matter the reason, but they do that. Just be prepared. And if you want, if you want, like my list, I just send because I another like CST candidate nope, already. They should make their own about... list. I don't, don't yeah, give them your better. list. No, yeah, not I on this podcast. Make your own list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, good, good, good. And yeah, this is something that I already prepared, and I also I already prepared like two different times to provide each topic during the session okay. of 20 minutes because I don't know what they will ask. I don't know what will happen. And yeah, then you don't I know just... how many questions you're going to get. I want to exactly. go back to the point you mentioned a few minutes ago, though. So one of the things that he did before he went and he had the list of topics and he prepared an outline for each topic and for additional topics as well so that before he went in, he could review them and make sure he knew what the key points he had to hit for each topic were, right? Exactly. And then I just need to say these stories, and this is the easiest part. And that way you can walk in with a sense of confidence, because I think that's a big part of going into that panel, is feeling like you're, 
you're ready for it. Which after two times, by the third time in, you should have felt pretty prepared for that, I would imagine. Yeah, the hardest part is how to put your mind in the correct path, in the correct way to got that. Because you you got off the confidence. Because in the first time, I was really, really confident. At the second time, I'm feeling as a loser. In the third time, I need to put my brain in the correct time, the correct yeah. way to, to just feel confidence enough, but not too much. This is the hardest part. Confidence enough, not too much. Because you ha- if you have too much confidence, you fail. Work against you, yeah. Thank you very much for taking time out of your holiday and for spending time talking about this. Um, if, if there's people that want to contact you with questions, what's the best way for them to reach you? I think uh, my email, Anderson, A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N, Humel, H-U-M-M-E-L, at gmail.org or, or by LinkedIn, anyone. Okay. So I'll make I, I sure to put to so gmail.com. I'll put links to these in the in the show notes for the podcast. Yeah, I think they prefer like the linkaging, but it doesn't matter. Because okay. in the mail, sometimes I get messes. Like All it right. is. Cool. Well, thank you very much. I don't want to take up any more of your video game time, but I really appreciate you being willing to talk about this. And I hope you have a great new year, man. And congratulations yeah. again on being a CST. I'm very psyched that you Thank you. Through. And thank about any all the help that you provide to me, Dave. Thanks oh, a lot. Thanks I'm a lot. Very thanks happy to do it.